Hello, everyone, and welcome to Representation in Cinema. We talk about the representation of black, brown, and indigenous people in movies. This podcast is hosted by Our Voices Project. Our goal is to dismantle destructive stereotypes of minority groups perpetuated in the media by producing films centered on the multifaceted experiences of black, brown, and indigenous people. Our Voices Project is also a committed community partner, providing opportunities to affirm racial and cultural identities, empowering students as agents of social change, and contributing to an individual's learning through cultivation of critical thinking. I'm Jackie McGriff, co-founder, director, and producer for the Our Voices Project. And joining me on today's podcast is the woman whose snacks game is on point, our co-founder, cinematographer, and editor, Deborah Alvarez. Welcome, Deb. (laughs) Thanks, Jackie. (laughs) Next, if show me the money was a person. Our grant writer, our grant writer, Annalisa Rogers is here. Thanks for being here, Annalisa. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then lastly, but certainly not least, the person who tried to convince me that John Boyega looks like El DeBarge in the film. Nice try. Our education outreach facilitator, Courtney Schaus. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jackie. <laughs> And now we are going to get started. So the Woman King tells the story of the Agoji, the all-women warrior unit that protected the West African Kingdom of Dahomey during the 17th to 19th centuries. Set in 1823, the Woman King follows a general who trains the next generation of warriors to fight their enemies. The film stars Viola Davis, Tuso Mbido, Lashana Lynch, Sheila Atem, and John Boyega, and is directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. So... If you haven't watched the film already, you can watch it in theaters now, or if you're listening later on, please rent this film, watch it, and then come back to listen to our podcast. From here on out, though, we'll be discussing the film in depth, so spoilers ahead, you have been warned. All right, so there is so much (laughs) to unpack in this film, so Mm -hmm. much that was going on during the movie, and I want each of you to tell me, it's one thing that instantly pops in your head, because I know I have several, um, that stood out the most to you in this film. Annalisa, we'll start with you. I think the most, uh, the thing that stood out the most was the amazing number of actors and actresses that actually put this film together. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was driven mostly by women. It, it mm-hmm. was fantastic mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Courtney? Well, just in terms of the... Uh cinematography um how pretty all the people were <laughs> honestly i couldn't get over i couldn't get over the cast it was probably the best looking cast i've ever seen there you go um uh, deb how about you yeah um well the big moment when i think she so viola davis her character when she basically realized what her dream meant and mm. her mission and then the choice the morning of just you know, heading out to fight for her daughter. And, like, you can see the line of warriors, you know, marching behind her. Sorry, I should have said spoiler warning. To, no, well, we, I gave a spoiler warning, so we're all good. We're <laughs> all good. Yeah. yeah, no, that was just such a powerful scene. Um, and that, that really, I don't know, stuck with me, I guess. Yes. Um, for me, it was that opening scene. Opening scene, and you're already starting off in like battle mode, and you're seeing all these just mm-hmm. badass black women, like you know, fighting, and it's intense, and it's just like some of the best fight choreography I have seen, Absolutely. and it's all yeah. being done by black women, and of course, there's black men that are joining them too, but like the focus is purely on the black women in this film, and I love, 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 love that. Um, so there has been. Before we get into more details about the film, there have there has been some 
criticism about the inaccuracies um, in the history of this film. So rather than focus on the criticisms, we're going to give you the real history of the Dahomey and the Agoji. So Annalisa, if you wanted to uh, start us off, what's important that we understand and get right with at least telling the history of the film and what is the history? Well, I think the first part is understanding that the woman king there was extensive creative license that was taken with this film. Mm -hmm. There was not actually a woman king, but rather a general named Sedong Hongbei. Mm -hmm. And she was leader of about 6,000 Dahomey women, wow. um, women warriors. So that is more accurate. Mm -hmm. um, the other part was that when we start looking at the slave trade, I mean, they mm -hmm. kind of talked about or kind of, inferred that the slave trade was kind of not their thing towards the end of the film. And actually, if you're looking at it from an economic standpoint, it was one of the major ways that the Dahomey actually made money and were able to rise above, um, rise basically mm -hmm. into a status of, you know, being a major player, not only economically, but also politically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Courtney, did you have some facts for us as well just a just a few um just to build off annalisa the uh characters some of the characters were fictionalized for sure so naniska's character as the uh, leader of the agoji although her name was documented as an agoji uh soldier she was not a real character mm -hmm. same with naui her name is a doc is documented as being a real agoji but her character was fictional King Gizo, um, played by Jean Boyega, and his and the king's son, Glaley, they are actually real characters. Glaley was not in the movie, but mm -hmm. they reigned over the golden age of the Dohemian history, ushering in an era of economic prosperity and political strength. So there is some uh, historical accuracy to mm -hmm. what we did see in the movie there. Some other facts to build off of what Annalisa was saying again. So did Dahomey actually stop their involvement in the slave trade, although it made for a very nice and neat, concise <laughs> Hollywood story? No, yeah. not at all. So the Dahomey emerged as a key player in the trafficking of West Africans between the 1680s and early 1700s. Okay. And they did sell their captives to uh, European traders. Many prisoners were that were enslaved uh, were sold abroad, but there were also a significant number that were um, enslaved in Dahomey. Mm -hmm. And they served on the royal farms in the army or at the palace. Side note, though, Gizo did agree to end participation in the slave trade briefly in 1852 after years of pressure from uh, Britain mm. because the British government did abolish slavery in 1833. And Gizo did actually explore going into the um, palm oil industry, but it was far less lucrative. So he soon resumed participating in the slave trade, and so that's about all that all that was truthful wow. in that in that mm -hmm. theme line. Okay, so given all of that history and what and what you've told us just now and everything and everything you've been looking at, of course, here at Our Voices Project, we're all all about getting accurate, multifaceted representation. And so, moving forward, especially in not only just like the stories that we create, but also Hollywood abroad um, or across the board, rather, how important is it that we get the history right, you know, for all of those to see? Um, Deborah, I will actually go to you as uh, the other filmmaker in our group. 
Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to, I mean, obviously recognize what is fictional and what's not fictional. Um, and so I think what they did with the film was amazing, The story, how they um, created the story and everything. Um, but also recognizing the true history, I think, is important. So having that balance, I believe, is an important factor um, overall. I mean, it just in what um, the movies are representing. So, yeah. Um, and and to you, Annalisa. So what did you have anything to add or did you want to add anything to to that as well? Well, you know, I, I understand that they took a lot of creative license to do this film. And, you know, for sometimes I think there's a huge lack of positive female imagery mm-hmm. that is done in film. And so they took something that was actually kind of negative and made it into something positive. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of things that people and women and young girls in particular can take from that. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't just people who bore children. Mm-hmm. We were actual mm-hmm. warriors at some yeah. point in time. And that's pretty fantastic. It kind of goes to the whole thing that we can really do anything that we want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, with seeing the discourse that was going on online, um, especially Twitter, since I'm on Twitter a lot, um, probably says a lot about my mental health. Um, but <laughs> but with being on Twitter and seeing a, there was the hashtag that was going around that was saying boycott women king. And so I can understand, of course, to a point that, of course, a lot like millions and millions of people are going to go see this film. And so what they're going to watch, they're essentially, some of them will go back and they'll look up the real history. Some of them won't and will go about their day and, you know, thinking that that all actually happened um, and then not do any further research from there and just continue going on thinking that that's the story um, when we know, of course, that it's not. And so I think just speaking as a, as a filmmaker, I would for sure, I understand that there's, of course, pressures from studios, you know, with having to fight for this film, which I will also explain a little in a little in just a bit. But with all the pressure that um, filmmakers face with getting movies made, especially one that is a black women led film, um, I do understand that they're trying to push out a story that is going to essentially make money because that's what Hollywood is about. They're all about making mm-hmm. money. So as much as we want to, and I will continue to strive for telling accurate stories as well, um, because of course we're not getting in the classroom, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but I also do understand too that you, when you're working, especially you know as a filmmaker, as a creative, when you're trying to work within the system to then try to get stories, more of these stories made, and especially more stories that are more accurate and I can I mean I can go back and forth all day about whether or not you actually work within that system but then of course if you don't then you know it's kind of as with everything it's left it's left upon you to then get that story out there and get it in front of enough people so that it's actually it's actually changing the way that people think about their history and and it's also bringing history that they would not have otherwise gotten in the classroom you know to those people so um, I do understand the criticism. I'm also like, I, this is the first film that I can remember in a long time that was uh, black women led. Courtney, I don't know if you had any thoughts about that as well. I think that, um, you know, another 
another piece that wasn't fully explained in the movie was what who the Agoji really who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know they they reached their peak really in the 19th century under Gizo and and the way that they a way that a woman warrior became the way they became a women warriors is they were really they were the wives of the kings. They were they were lower class wives mm. who um, they were celibate. They so of course they didn't bear the king any children, but they were um, very revered. They lived in the palace. Mm-hmm. They were able to share in the king's um, alcohol, tobacco. They, I guess I should go back to the celibacy part. That was actually debatable, but they did not sleep with the king. They did not bear him children. Wow. So he, you know, there were there were pieces of the film that were maybe took a little bit of a poetic license but weren't actually too inaccurate. There was still a test mm-hmm. um, in terms of to determine if you were going to be um, an agoji. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, what you were speaking about reminds me of um, Audre Lorde when she wrote her biography but called it a biomythography where she sort of wrote pieces that were true but reinvented pieces as well mm. and presented that to the world. And I think that what Annalisa was speaking to in terms of where did we ever see something like this yeah. on the screen mm-hmm. is almost more important than telling the accuracies about this, you know, transatlantic slave trade mm-hmm. because we have stories about the transatlantic trade, transatlantic slave trade, right? But we don't have stories. We don't have white stories. We don't have black stories. We don't have Latinx stories about brave warrior women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah. so much, that is what's needed right. now more right. than anything. Well, especially out of Africa, because the way in which, at least in our society, in American society, the way that we paint Africa is like this place of where, you know, it's it's high, highly impoverished. It's, it's, you know, you know, they're not intelligent. Like there's it's all these like sort of negative things mm-hmm. or we, or it's either that or we don't acknowledge we, I mean, the way that I'm talking about it right now, like I'm saying Africa as if it's a country, it's a whole continent with a bunch of countries. And so mm-hmm. the way in which we talk about Africa is either in that sense or it's not talked about at all. Like when we talk about African-American history, we don't go all the way back to African civilization. We start right at the transatlantic, Slave trade, trade, like you were talking about. So to get something like this, of course, you can make the criticisms, you know, about about the history and everything. And I will not debate anybody about that. However, we it's I mean, we have not gotten stories like this. And I think it's important that we get more of that. Um, Because the history actually goes back even before the slave trade, Mm -hmm. where they have stories of um, bands of of women hunters Mm -hmm. that were actually formed. Um, early, early into the 1600s. Um, but when you look at the, the way they militarize and they have uniforms mm-hmm. and they have ways of defining mm-hmm. um, the different systems and the different classes and the different um, groups, mm-hmm. and that's all shown in the movie as well. It's, yeah. it's not a savage group of people mm-hmm. that are not, you know, without organization. Right. And mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's very, I mean, there are a lot of accuracies as well to the film. Okay. Um, I don't think it deserves a an out an outright <laughs> protest or right. you know right. boycott i think right. there are a lot of other things in in our society that deserve right. that i agree with you 100 percent because I, I think about movies that i've seen on you know explorers like um 
Christopher Columbus and how they've actually depicted him as a hero in some mm-hmm. of those movies. Um, I think one was like Conquest or something like that. Okay. But yeah. you don't hear or you had not heard about there being such a huge issue with historical inaccuracies. Mm-hmm. And we do know that there's a lot of things about Columbus's yes. um, yes. exploring that was historically inaccurate. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Um, speaking of... So getting more stories like this made. So opening weekend box office just reached 19 million. Woo. Mm-hmm. Um, go people. Um, the budget for this film was 50 million. So if it surpasses that, do you think this means we will get more films like this? Annalisa, what do you think? I think that it is a distinct possibility. Now I say that because I'm thinking about like, you know, maybe years ago when we saw like this huge push for african-american films like waiting to exhale Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. um, how stella got her groove back and all of those things kind of really started to push black movies forward Mm -hmm. and then there was like a a upswing Mm -hmm. then there was a downswing and i think we're probably coming back on that upswing where we're seeing things like wakanda forever the black panther we're seeing things like um, the Woman King, mm-hmm. and there's a few more that seems like that's coming up yeah. soon too. So I think we're going back on that upswing. So yeah, I think it is. Yeah. What do you think, Courtney? I think a a challenge with this movie is, and and, and I've been reflecting on this. Um, what I'm about to say is that growing up um, as a white person, as a white woman, I'm not taught to identify with black women mm-hmm. or to see see black women as role models, although I have always um, in my own personal life had um, probably black, black women role models more so than white. But to have young girls see a movie like this, and we're talking about representation mm-hmm. in cinema, right? And so this is a great thing um, for young black women to see positive. But I felt an immense sense of pride when I saw this movie mm-hmm. to see that, like, yes, you know, we have women Mm-hmm. on the yeah. film um but i think there's still that disconnect in our society where mm-hmm. women will appreciate this film but there will be there there won't be that connection inherently for like white women to see themselves in the the Dahomey warriors right mm-hmm. so like i think there's this expectation because of the society that we live in, this white supremacist society, that black women are supposed to watch these films or read these books and see themselves in these white protagonists and, mm-hmm. and gain inspiration from these white characters, right? But I don't think it's all it's gone the other way. Mm-hmm. I don't think that mm-hmm. white women and white girls have been taught to find that same kind of inspiration and in in strong black women characters mm-hmm. in film and books and in media. Yeah. I'm hoping this can help push that mm-hmm. and more movies like this can help push that. Um, and I think that possibly, you know, as we see, you know, in the first week, this is great. If we can see that momentum continue to build and we can have these conversations mm-hmm. and we can um, have um, parents encouraging, you know, it's the same concept with giving your child a black Barbie doll or a black mm-hmm. baby doll and just, sit, you know, that type of, that's how I'm th- kind of right. reflecting on this. Right. You no, know, that's a really interesting point because when I think about 
not being a black, not being a white woman, I think about the strength of um, some of the things that white women have been able to accomplish alongside black people, black women. And I'm thinking about things in particular, such as the women's rights movement. I'm thinking about, you know, we had a lot, a strong showing of white women in the civil rights movement, but also voters, voting rights, you know. So there had been in some, to some degree, you know, um, a synergy between white women and black women to make those things happen. It doesn't happen often mm -hmm. enough. And mm -hmm. we should expect that more of those things should occur. But in school, what do you, what do you learn about? Uh, well, yeah, right. I'm so I take mm -hmm. your point. But, yeah. So inherently, but that's what I'm saying. Right. It's ironic that, you know, it just doesn't happen the way it should. But I mean, any little girl seeing those badass women yeah. up on that screen, I mean, mm -hmm. I was, I was personally just blown away thinking, and you know, I was sort of left thinking myself, I mean, I know my limitations, right? Like I would never, I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't even make it to the training did we phase. Just, like, did you decide you know, that you would be a musician or something. Something, yeah. Like, I was like, how can I get in that palace? Because I, maybe I can pour their drinks or something. But yeah, there's no way that you could be the lyricist. Something, something. But yeah, but I definitely was blown away. And I think that any little girl mm -hmm. seeing that army, mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's got to make an impression. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. That's also reflected too like so whatever is you know whatever is going on in society of course is reflected in in each industry and so in the film industry um that is also something um when you were talking about where you both kind of touched upon like on this you know about people being able to relate or, you know white people feeling like they can't relate or or whatever um so I know in the industry, um, especially with Viola Davis and, and Gina um, Prince Bythewood trying to get this movie made. So there was a few interviews in which Viola had mentioned that it took a lot. She was fighting the entire time to get this movie made. She had to convince the studios to get certain actors, um, to get a director, to to have a big budget for this. The marketing, all of that, all of the things that make a movie and it's, I mean, it's a miracle in of itself, like to get a movie made, but then to have something on this scale and being a black woman led film, there's a lot of fighting that she had to do. And she, they had to go back and research and, and, and test and everything like that with audiences and all these different things to, in order to convince the studio to get this movie made. So like, I think to both of your points, I think if there were people, if there was, if the society came together or if we had more of these conversations um, where, you know, parents or, you know, from adult to adult are having these conversations about, listen, we, I grew up and I, and I had, I, all I had was Princess Leia, right? And this is this white woman who's, you know, in Star Wars and I'm like, but I love her. She's an amazing character. I want to be Princess Leia. Now, why couldn't it be the same thing? If you're looking at the Dahomey, you're like, listen, I need to be part of the Agoji. And you're like, you're not a black woman, but here you are like relating to these black women. I don't know what needs to happen, what kind of like conversations need to occur for that to happen. But I'm like, also too, the fact that she had to work so hard to get this movie made. Whereas like, we're getting, I mean, seriously, I mean, listen, I'm I'm a huge Star Wars fan, okay? But, like, do we really need 
all of these Star Wars movies. And I, I will say yes, but also no. Like we don't we don't need another one. So like give give other stories a chance. Give stories that are also going to show that representation, but that people also can relate to across the board, no matter what ethnicity you are. Uh, Deb, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, while I was watching the film throughout, I, I definitely could relate to some of the strong female characters and just like enjoyed watching their fierceness and their ability to just survive and to lift each other up. Like I, it, it was, there was also a mixed feeling of like, you know, it's like, this is like a culture that was so, I, there was just so much that I, re, I guess there was like a revere, a rever, what is that? Reverence? Is that the right mm-hmm. word? Of just watching um, this culture and learning about it. Um, and I think that a lot of people like coming into the theaters, a lot of women, um, I, I would hope that they would have that same um, reverence of just seeing like this beautiful culture and these beautiful women and seeing them overcome all these struggles. Like the whole um, point with Viola and her um, with the uh, sexual assault and just like overcoming that and, mm-hmm. you know, realizing she has a daughter um, and that daughter being fighting alongside her, like mm-hmm. those aspects of the film, it's like so many women I I can just imagine could relate to or at least mm-hmm. see that within themselves, like that fighting spirit, that sense of like true, what true love looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, there was there was a lot of themes and aspects of it that I was just like, oh my gosh, like I can relate, um, but also understand like, I mean, this is a whole culture, whole um, people that it's not, even though they're not, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a part of that culture or that, you know, race, I can still find things that I can relate to. Um, and so I, I can hope at least to answer the question of if, will this be, you know, if it gets higher in the box office, will mm-hmm. it get more representation? I, I can see it happening. Um, I don't know. I have hope. <laughs> yes. Keep hope alive. Yeah, seriously. Well, I was just going to say, so when you're talking about like watching, you know, this, this group of women, there is definitely a sisterhood there. Um, yeah. There's this camaraderie. There is this, you're, I mean, she first, when they first get there, um, now wait, when she first gets there, um, Niska, so Viola Davis's character, she's explaining that your, your opinions will be heard or you will be heard. And, you know, they're, I mean, you, you constantly, you see them dancing, you see them laughing together, you know, you see them sticking up for one another, defending one another. When's the last time that you can remember, especially given that, you know, it's, it's, it's centered on black women. When's the last time you remember seeing that in a film? Annalise, I'll go to you. I think I mentioned it earlier. Um, One of the last times I've seen anything like that was like kind of, waiting to exhale, mm-hmm. you know, where they kind of came together, they celebrated mm-hmm. the good times, the bad times, and they just literally came together mm-hmm. um, in that sisterhood. So mm-hmm. I think that was probably one of the last films I've seen since yeah. this one that depicted something of that nature. I mean, that was back in the 90s, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I was a small child and my mom said, you could not watch this film. Um, <laughs> yes, so that's how. <laughs> not to make anyone else feel old. Um, okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're so welcome. No, um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Courtney, Deb, did you have anything that you wanted to add? I think that there were, I think that was brilliant on the part of 
the director mm-hmm. because those examples those examples that you cited mm-hmm. in all of the tenderness in the film too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. doing each other's hair mm-hmm. um, yeah just she went back and, and helped her friend get through the training yeah um just in in just those ways that they were there for each other and showed up for each other like mm-hmm. you said the dancing mm-hmm. um the com- the camaraderie those things are still relevant yeah but the um what was what i was thinking is that the movie is is built around this um physical um defeat of colonialism mm-hmm. in this you know mm-hmm. within this time yeah frame this like hour and a half or whatever yeah. two hours yeah. time frame but what's interesting about the movie too is that you're also led by Naniska you're also um working against the culture of colonialism as well so mm-hmm. we know that in America should Shadal slavery is was the idea was destroying families, mm-hmm. pulling people apart, mm-hmm. um, people as, as property, mm-hmm. for example. And in this movie, it was all about family, keeping mm-hmm. family together, creating family. You don't have a family, you have a family now. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't mm-hmm. sell our family, we don't give away our family. You want twenty of twenty of my agoji instead? You can have your dead family back, you know, oh, yeah, you're, the, you're, the heads yeah, of exactly. the, oh, yeah. God, that was insane. You know, <laughs> you're going to try and tell me not to go get my family that's in this cage, you know, mm-hmm. that's too bad. I'm going to go get my family. Um, and then at the end, you know, we're, you know, we can't, mm-hmm. we can't capture and, and, and sell our Dahomey and not just our Dahomey, but any African. Mm-hmm. We are yeah. family. Right. This is our right. family. And, you know, which goes directly against, what divides and and destroys mm-hmm. you know that's exactly yeah. one of the centers of slavery like yeah. there you are you do not have family right you cannot have family right um and so there's these these little themes of um getting at that culture of of what it is to be enslaved in colonialism mm-hmm. And not just killing the, the 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 men that are there to engage in that activity, but killing the idea mm-hmm. and like acting in in counter to that too, right? Which I thought was interesting, and you know counter to what was expected to them in some cases as a goji too. Mm-hmm. So you can't be talking to boys and looking through the little. <laughs> palms you know the window are sneaking out and and you can't you know have a baby mm-hmm. and you can't you know I mean of course we yeah. know how she got pregnant but the, the whole idea was that she right had a baby yeah and she kept it a secret mm-hmm. so I mean there were still themes that also you could relate to today mm-hmm. yeah oh for sure I mean there's a human theme yeah so I mean there was a lot of brilliant moves on this director's part that connects a modern day audience to what's mm-hmm. going on in this film mm-hmm. uh, with a not so much inaccuracy when it comes to human emotion and what was really going on in terms of enslaving people mm-hmm. mentally, psychologically, 
mm-hmm. yeah. and physically. Yeah. So. And what I love too about this film, because I'm always worried whenever it, you know, you're, you have a movie that's supposed to center, it's supposed to center black people. And, and if it has to do with slavery, right? Like it, it tends to pull some of that focus onto the slavers. And while there is this nod to them, I never felt like anywhere in the movie that that focus was being pulled away, that it was still on mm-hmm. these women. And even, I mean, again, you you saw them fighting alongside men. It was men and women fighting. But again, it always felt like this was a purely black women driven mm-hmm. stories. And then you also saw too, you also saw black women of every shade, every size. It was like, like to me, and I've heard a couple of actors in, in the film say this, but it was, it some of it was healing. Like mm-hmm. to see that, to see them all together, to see them again, like having that sisterhood and sticking up for one another and encouraging one another and, and being there. And then and also just being badass fighters. Like yeah. I, I was like, like many people, I felt, I felt like after the movie, like one thing I was like, you know, I need to learn how to fight. Like I, like I was like that. I also wanted to get my, I, like, I, I don't ever care about my nails, but I'm sorry. But like seeing, seeing, a, um, a Gizu, she, her, her nails, I was like, yo, I need, I need that. I would never use it for obviously like, for what she's using them for, but I just thought that was badass. Yeah. Um, did any of you for for you did you have any standout performances? Actually, before we oh, yeah. get to the standout performances, I sure. want to take a step back. Yeah, you know, watching this film, there's a lot of times when movies are talking about or discussing slavery in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. It always, in some way, kind of triggers my sense of you know generational trauma. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have to say that after watching this movie. I had no sense of trauma. It was, and I think you mentioned that, you know, it was kind of healing in some way. Yes, it was. And it was like, it was empowering as well, Mm -hmm. as opposed to taking away from. Mm -hmm. So I felt, you know, the the movie was really incredible in just achieving that alone. Yes, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, no, 100%. I absolutely agree with that. Um, and now moving on to <laughs> to stand up from no you're fine no I love that Annalisa you captured it perfectly that is amazing uh, were there any standout performances uh, for any of you I like that there were no like matrix moves like <laughs> seriously like it, it was you know I you know I had read this um, this article mm-hmm. and. It was one of the things that this 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 author was bringing up that it was it was really um, there was a lot of talent mm-hmm. in this movie oh. there, and you know I had yeah. read about the training and what what mm-hmm. actors were going through right. to do this but in the end it was not like a, it was not a lot of magical <laughs> you know manipulation of it was just practical real fighting practical fighting yeah yes yeah. and. It was really engaging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I tend to lose like focus or interest at really long, egregious fight scenes that <laughs> you're just, you know, especially when it comes down to like the one to one fight, and mm-hmm. you're like, well, but like in this movie, yeah. <laughs> when it came down to that one to one fight that mm-hmm. was so like necessary and and mm-hmm. everything, and you wanted that guy to be dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For real. Um, 
it was just, I, I didn't look away for a minute. And But, you know, I, I, I gotta say that it wasn't for one second did I think I could do that or did I want to <laughs> no. fight. Like, I really no. just needed, I felt like I needed, like, a restorative session afterwards and was kind of like, <laughs> God, like, you know, it's like, I'm a very, pa- like, passive person when it comes to that, but I really, I really um, admired, as actors, mm-hmm. the training, yeah, and, and what they went through to, to mm-hmm. get that film produced. I agree. I think for me, um, every last one of those actresses and the actors were amazing, their mm-hmm. characters were completely believable. But mm-hmm. I think the piece that stood out to me and I think kind of like made my heart wrench just a little bit mm-hmm. was when Naoi um, mm-hmm. is kind of cradling Agiza. Mm-hmm. I may not be saying her name correctly. And, you know, she dies, but she's, you know, she's yeah. laying out this gut-wrenching oh cry, yeah. you know. And, and that was just, to me, that was probably one of the more standout pieces and performances mm-hmm. at that moment because yeah. it, it really pull that emotional piece mm, out of mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah what about you deb yeah no i was gonna say now um she is that am i saying it correctly yep. now we yeah <laughs> she yeah she stood out to me the most is for from her performance um and i'm gonna say the other is azogi yeah so azogi or um lashana lynch lashana lynch yeah no both of them um they really their performances stuck out. I mean, Viola Davis. I mean, not, 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 I am so sorry, but no, they honestly, everyone just, it, it seemed like they were all in with their performances. Mm-hmm. Like you could just tell, um, I was blown away by Boyega's, um, his, uh, you know, the way he portrayed his character and mm-hmm. how he talked and everything, just like everything embodied a King. Like you could mm-hmm. just feel it. Um, and, it was in what particularly was interesting is how they portrayed um, how so Jordan Bulger uh, Malik, I yeah. believe, mm-hmm. his character um, also I thought was very interesting. I loved that they included that in the film because I think it showed a lot. It represented, um, you know, how you can still find your. Um, it's like identity way back home. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. finding his identity, and that was really powerful. And so that really spoke to me as well. Um, and seeing him and uh, now we interact uh, was I thought was very like special and, and in a sense like in a, there was like this innocence, but mm-hmm. also like this true like love and true form of like willing to understand each other mm-hmm. um, through the midst of this chaotic life. Like even now we like she wasn't scared she st- was you could tell she still had that even though you know her mom obviously is like like who's this guy you know that sort of, like, <laughs> um dynamic you right, saw right, right, it, right. it was just really amazing to see that and even at the end like she stood by her people she stood by her women and they both understood that and they both were able to accept the love that they were able to give to each other at that time Absolutely. and I thought that was very special yeah um so Deb while you were talking uh, about uh Boyega's performance um Courtney gave me a uh, of course you're listening so for those listening um Courtney um gave me like this look like oh lo- like whoop-de-doo um I just want to know what that was about Courtney <laughs> I mean yeah he did great he was a good king um, but even I, th- I thought that, um, I, you know, even, you know, I, so the day after I saw the film, 
um, I don't want to say his performance was like unforgettable, but I'm like, it's not really what I'm left with. I'm not left with, you know, I'm not thinking about um, his character I, as much. I'm thinking like, <laughs> I'm thinking the things that were brought to him, like, you know, the one wife is going to tattle on Niska and then the, <laughs> the eunuch is going to tattle over here. And he's like, what will I do? And. You know, and then Aniska comes and he's like, yes, Aniska, we'll do what you want. And I feel like he was more like in this movie, the pawn to kind of keep the story going. Mm -hmm. So I read an article, I read a lot of articles, <laughs> so about the, the, the fact that the, you know, in terms of truth and accuracy of the time that this this story is happening, you mm -hmm. know, the, the army was very much still under the thumb of the patriarchy and the slave trade, and they were mm -hmm. complicit Absolutely. in, mm -hmm. they were complicit in that slave trade, and although they had more um, opportunities and spoils than women did mm -hmm. outside of the army, right. um, there is still that piece in terms of having him there, because he is the king, mm -hmm. and he is a prominent figure, but at the point at which he forbids Naniska to go get her people right. from the cage. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, at this, right. The last 10 minutes, 20 minutes, now you're going to come out and forbid and expect her not to do. And it's like, you haven't set, I think that was one weakness yeah. in the film. You haven't set that dynamic where we're really going to believe that anything the king forbids you to do, you're going to listen. Because the whole time, He's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Like, yeah, let's do what you want. We're going to do what you want. You know, step down, wife number 14. We're going to do what Nanisco wants. I didn't really have that feeling like there was a dynamic where he had that authority over as much oh, yeah. as mm -hmm. which we know, like, in the, the truth of that time frame. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like, yes, we will never sell slaves ever again. You're awesome. You're my king. Come sit next to me. Look at my chest. My name is John Boyega. Farewell. So I, I didn't really buy into his performance as much. And I felt like, I really just felt like it was like, okay, we have a king. We know he existed. We have to put him there. And let's give him the lines that keep the movie going. Mm -hmm. And let's show that he is a prominent figure. But I didn't believe, he didn't show me enough authority. He didn't show that, like, why wouldn't, really, why wouldn't she run off? And then her whole freaking right. army's like, well, we're just going to follow her. Like, right. really, what's going right. to happen to us? Was my well, exactly. let's grab some tobacco on the way out, guys. Come on. So, so to whiskey. your point, oh, <laughs> my whiskey. goodness, and whiskey. Yeah. To your point, though, okay, so to your point, John Boyega, in an interview, says that that was the point. He kind of, he's, he's a background, even though he's there, He's a background character. He says he's a background character because really what this is about, the, the women really have the authority. There was no way that, you know, even as a king, you know, Naniska, you know, goes off and, and does this thing because she's like, I need to go back and rescue people. There was, yeah, there was no way that he was going to be like, you know, really forbid that, you know, she was going to do what she felt that she needed to do. And there's already this, this trust, um, you know, between them. And so it might've been more successful then for actually to have a scene where he says it, but like they have an understanding between them mm -hmm. that she's going to do it mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. him actually saying it and us trying to be like, Oh no, <laughs> no, but I don't think, but I, and again, I don't 100%. think, um, I don't think any of us, like any of us believed that, you know, 
yeah she was just going to be like just stand back and just like kind of let things happen but her her trusted friend advisor was like no you can't do this I'm like what is happening all of a sudden like in the (laughs) last last 20 minutes every every, the characters seem to have this Mm -hmm. fear that I I didn't understand where that was Mm -hmm. coming from that's that's the Mm -hmm. that's the one that was where so if he's a background character like he appeared to be for the first I don't know how many minutes of the movie um that was kind of a disconnect for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was a disconnect. You know, they they talk about this society being a, a highly patriarchal society, mm-hmm. yeah. And then mm-hmm. for them to try and do exactly what Courtney said, it was like, well, that that's really kind of out of place. Mm-hmm. You know, what is he going to do to stop her? Send his army after them? <laughs> 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 and I mean, to be fair, really, I mean, and we don't know this in the movie too. Um, you know, Annalisa and I were kind of talking about this after the fact that. You see these women, the women warriors, and then we we saw in the fight scenes that there were men getting killed, right? right? right so right. they're they're forty percent of the army were the women, mm-hmm. so that still left sixty percent. Mm. And and the reason why the the women became warriors in the first place is because they were constantly warring. Mm-hmm. That the population of men was so low that they had to start wow. bringing women wow. women into the army, which doesn't discount any of the their greatness, of course, but. Mm-hmm. But it's not clear in the movie that they're fighting alongside men and that mm-hmm. there's actually still more men right. than there are women in the army. But, um, yeah, I just, I mean, he, I know that he's um, he's a good actor and, like... I didn't think you were saying that. I was just... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so I'm not it's like, fine. you it's know, fine. it's great. And he, it's a necessary character. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a, it, it would be really yeah. bad if you didn't, didn't have him in there, but... Well, I think, that's a part of the historical accuracy is yeah. that Giesel was king during that time frame. So, you know, mm-hmm. you have some of the inaccuracy <laughs> and then you got some of the accuracy. Right. So. Yeah. And it almost like in my mind, watching that scene with him, you know, and and saying, you know, you can't go. I was almost thinking, OK, this feels like a test. Like it almost feels like he's there's like a test that's happening where if she does obey him, that he doesn't really see her as a true woman king, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> who knows? But I, I did think everyone played their parts really well. Yeah, it's open to interpretation. This is this is what movies do. They get you thinking. Um, for me, as far as the standout performances, of course, everyone did amazing. And it's hard for me. Like, in, in movies like this where, like, everyone, everyone is, like, giving their all in a performance... Um, especially Tuso and Beto. Um, for me, just what really, who really stood out just a teeny bit above everyone else. Um, but I'll say everyone, cause everyone was fantastic was Lashana Lynch. I don't think she gets enough. Like she's been, she's been in a number of movies and I feel like she's kind of been on, under the radar, even though she has been in bond. Um, you know, the last, the last movie, um, um, what is it? Uh, no one left it or what? oh god of course I like, now I can't think of it yeah so Lashana oh yeah no time to die that's right um, so um, I was like I know it's something with dying I can't remember I haven't seen it yet I'm so behind on James Bond but anyway she so she was in that she was in Captain Marvel so she's like kind of under the radar but I'm like give this woman more roles and of course she comes into this she comes into this movie and she of course is this badass that's how we're introduced to her like in the first few minutes of the movie. And then she is also someone who is kind of like this mentor for, for Nawe and for like the other, the other 
uh, women who are training and everything else, but especially for Nawe, she's almost like an older sister. Cause again, she, Nawe is someone who, you know, for, for the longest time, her father has been trying to marry her off to someone. And she's just this woman who, who says like, I'm not going to be this, I'm not going to just get married off to like, you know, whoever, and especially men who beat me. Um, I, I want to be a warrior. I want to fight for myself. And so she comes in down into this new family, not really having family. We learn of course that, you know, she, at least she thought she was an orphan. Um, so her not feeling like she has anyone to come into this family of women who are going to support her and then to have someone like Lashana Lynch's character there, you know, just encouraging her kind of getting a fire up underneath her butt um, and, and everything I thought was amazing. And then just seriously, I just felt like every single scene that she was in, she took and took for herself. She, mm-hmm. she was honestly the, the show stealer for me, but of course, of course, everyone did a fantastic job. Um, I loved seeing all these performances. If none of them get recognized, um, prepare to be sick of me. Prepare to be <laughs> sick of me. <laughs> um, did anyone else want to add anything? Anything else from the film that we haven't already covered? Hey, what's the first rule of being in a goji? <laughs> you listen to a, a, a goji. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I agree with your assessment, um, yeah. Jackie, because yeah. like, I just loved whenever a scene came up with her i was like what's she gonna say <laughs> you know <laughs> and and one of the things that she, what she never did um take away anything from Nawi. Mm-hmm. like she mm-hmm. never um they never took any of each other's um anger or passion or mm-hmm. love or Anything they were feeling, they didn't take it away. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't say, well, you can't, you know, which is also a very uh, colonial, thing, colonial thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, a colonizer thing to do is to say, you know, to mute the feeling or to not be an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, she might have laughed at her or been like, <laughs> you know, you're going to learn or whatever. Right. But, you know, was more guiding yes. and facilitating that learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, even that scene where you had the young Maui uh, was like, you know, why are you still here? And then you had that facilitated conversation. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you have someone else going at this other one saying, mm-hmm. you know, you're just Maui. And then stepping in between mm-hmm. and being like, you know, once you're here, mm-hmm. we're all the same. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking that scene. Yeah, that yeah. was such powerful. It was really it was like, OK, now I know this is a sisterhood. Like, yeah. it was definitely. Yeah. I think the first part that really kind of said that this was a sisterhood to me was when um, Lashana Lynch called Naui Tsitsi, Mm -hmm. which is the little fly, you know, (laughs) and then towards the end, you know, when she had broken her arm, she was like, little fly is pretty strong, yeah, you know, and I was like, yeah, that (laughs) that's kind of really highly illustrative of the sisterhood to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So many like. So many good moments. So many great moments. Um, I will, before like wrapping up here, I also just wanted to pay or, like a little homage and a nod to the score in this film. Oh, yes. So Terrence Bla- Blanchard, oh, Blank- Blanchard, I'm probably saying that horribly wrong. Um, 
But um, he also did music for The Five Bloods. Um, he also did it for Black Klansman. In fact, most or a lot of um, Spike Lee's movies, he has done the score for Malcolm X. Um, and so listening, especially watching it a second time, because, of course, I had to go watch as soon as it came out. And then I was like, OK, let's go watch it again um, with friends. And and I remember just sitting there and going. So not only is it to the scale, the, the scale that we normally get, like all these other action movies, but the way that it's scored is so beautiful and mesmerizing and it feels like a legit, which it is, it's a legit action movie. And here we're getting all of these like, like, you know, sweeping melodies and everything. And then when it's the action, it's intense and it's amazing. And then it's mixing in like, you know, different beats, you know, Afro beats and everything like that. And I'm just like, this is exactly what this should be. And this is the, these, this is the kind of treatment that all of these movies should be getting. Um, and I just loved listening. How did you guys, how did you all feel about the score? I think that was one of my favorite things about the movie. Sometimes, you know, when movies put in a musical score, sometimes I think the music can actually take away from the movie. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. in this sense, it supported the emotion. It supported the feeling. Mm -hmm. It kind of actually helped drive the movie forward in a really positive way. So I love the score. That's exactly what it's supposed to do, and it did its job. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. What about you, Deb? Yeah, no, I I agree. There was just moments, especially even the times of celebration where Mm. it's like I got chills all (laughs) over my body just from like watching and hearing the music and how it played out and just realizing like it's like you felt, I don't know, it made me feel more connected Mm. um, to what was going on. So definitely fantastic score. Yeah, the score felt like it was its own supporting character. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to admit there were times where I didn't even hear the score (laughs) because it was part of the enveloping emotion of what was going on. But also Mm -hmm. the score also complemented the, um, you know, there was a lot of um, vocalizations Mm -hmm. of the women or the way they were using their voices or the way they were um, screaming or yelling out with emotion or crying or so I think it was all very complimentary and and just again moved the movie along and and just cradled it yeah for sure absolutely 100% agreed any final thoughts (laughs) I think I just want to watch it again yeah (laughs) I think I want to give like Boyega, another shot. But I don't, I don't think I'm going to change my mind on that. I mean, you don't have you to. Know. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, if you're going to watch it again, don't watch it just to give Boyega another shot. Cause yeah, I probably, it probably won't change my mind there. Like, I've got other reasons to watch it again. But, I, yeah, that's my only – that would probably be the only thing, I think. There's some questions on that character. Hmm. Yeah, no, if anything, it's for – the black women absolutely in the film absolutely i i am i'm curious to see how this so we have wakanda forever coming Mm yeah and we know there's influences there of course Mm -hmm. yeah and um that that's going to be interesting Mm -hmm. yeah right because there's been a lot of references again reading all of my articles and things like that there's a lot of references 
um, and nods to Wakanda forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am treading lightly in that because only because I feel like a lot of people, because again, it's like this predominantly black cast and everything, there are going to be comparisons and there already have been comparisons to Wakanda forever. And I'm just like, okay, guys, one is a comic book. Okay, it's a graphic novel, right? Stop it. This one is like, it's like at least like talking about, or like we we see, I mean, of course we see some inaccuracies, but it's again, it's like history based film. So like maybe don't make the comparison to the two, like, I don't, (laughs) not for historical accuracy, but it's, they're supposed to be, if not a nod to the the homie, you know, the warriors. Mm Mm-hmm. Some there's supposed to be some something mm-hmm. from them, like yeah. it's supposed to be something, right? Mm-hmm. So the the fierceness of the Wakanda female warriors right. was actually taken from the Dahomey people. Okay, but that's about as far as it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and let's leave it there. You know, I mean, one is definitely a graphic novel. The other one is based on history. So you don't compare the two. You you shouldn't. It's like apples and oranges. Exactly. But in Wakanda Forever, I read there was some more. We'll see. We'll see. Right? We'll see. (laughs) Some more more influence. Oh, okay. Some more influence. Yeah. We'll definitely see. Having that in mind. Awesome. Well, thank you all for sharing. It's always fun getting together and having these conversations. And this will actually be the first time that all of us, our entire team, um, got onto the podcast to talk about a film. So thank you again. It will be happening again soon. To our listeners, thank you so much for your support of Our Voices Project and our representation in cinema podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at www.ourvoicesproject.com. For more information about what we do, sign up for our newsletter there, too, to be the first to get notifications about podcast episodes and new projects. We're going to be talking about the movie Nope in October and Black Panther Wakanda Forever, of course, in November. So be on the lookout for those discussions coming your way soon. You can listen to this podcast and others under representation in cinema on any of the platforms listed on our website at ourvoicesproject.com slash podcast. This has been Jackie McGriff, your host for this episode of Representation in Cinema of Our Voices Project. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>